0: Some of my favorite messages I receive throughout the week are questions. Questions are great. They're often born out of a rabid curiosity, an eagerness to seek out answers, and to learn more. These questions are also a chance to simply connect. The best part is that at some point, we've all been on either side of a question, asking and answering, and sometimes both within the adjacent sentences of a conversation with another collector. We've offered advice, and we've gone to friends and strangers for that same assistance. It's always a blessing when someone takes the time to help us, and should never be taken for granted. And when we're in a position to help someone, it's a reminder that we're blessed with that ability to lend a hand to someone else. For me, being able to help out a fellow collector with a question is an answer to a prayer that began more than a decade ago. When I started collecting vintage Star Wars figures, I didn't know any other collectors at the time. I devoured all the information I could find online, and I was fascinated by how much people who shared the same interest possessed. My prayer was to learn about these action figures and the memorabilia, the history of Kenner toys and Lucas-led films from my childhood. And that I would one day understand enough to be able to contribute to our hobby in a positive way. To help people when possible. To provide an answer to a collecting question. Over the past few years, a group of new collectors have been bitten by the bug. Some are lured by the prospect of turning the Star Wars market into a business. Others feel the pangs of nostalgia brought on by the excitement of The Mandalorian, The Clone Wars, and a catalog of newer Star Wars stories. And many found collecting, or rediscovered it, as a suitable pastime during the pandemic, an anchor to ground themselves during an otherwise unstable and uncertain season. I've seen a few of the same questions appear again and again among our fellow collectors, and I wanted to share some of them with you. And sometimes we get so entrenched in the day-to-day events in our hobby that it's easy to forget that some are trying to figure out where to even begin. But it's not just newer collectors who are looking for answers. One of the recurring questions I received lately came from friends who have been part of the community for years. They've successfully completed a certain run. They've scooped up everything on their checklist, and now they're standing back, looking at their cases and displays, and asking themselves, what should I collect next? This is what I came up with to answer some of the current collector questions. This is a batch of some of the more common queries when it comes to vintage Star Wars action figures and the collecting community. This is where a question mark hopefully turns into an exclamation point, and the journey continues. This is where the fun begins. And this is Star Wars Prototypes and Production. Okay. Oh, Vader. It's a trap. Yes, master. <laughs> well, we're gonna the, bomb, the more you tighten your grip, the more star systems will slip through your fingers. I want to learn the ways of the Force and become a Jedi like my father. The Force will be with you always. Okay, you have questions, and I have answers. Well, realistically, I have suggestions, but I tried to ground them by recommending resources created by collectors. I also tried to give advice based on my personal experiences over the years. So I'm going to share some of the questions I received from friends and collectors, and we'll touch on a question or two that appeared in some of the Star Wars groups online. I want to collect Star Wars figures. Where do I start? Welcome and congratulations. You couldn't have picked a worse time to get into the hobby. I'm kidding, there's never really a bad time to get into collecting. But the prices for vintage Star Wars figures are currently at all-time highs. Sellers and collectors have witnessed a spike over the past few months, capped off by some shocking eBay sales and that last Hakes auction that left most of us speechless. And now, a number of them are attempting to capitalize on the craze. And it's not just online and on social media, either. At toy shows, many dealers have raised prices substantially on anything with the Star Wars logo on it. Nobody wants to risk leaving any money on the table where someone else can buy from them and resell the pieces for a profit. To give you an idea on how far prices have come, I attend a toy show in Delaware twice a year. And years ago, sometime between 2017 and 2018, I purchased a sealed, bagged Luke-Jedi figure for $60 from a dealer. Around 2019, the same dealer had another for sale. This time, it was going for somewhere between $125 and $150. And last weekend, I attended the Delaware show again, and ran into the dealer again. Now, the price for the bagged Luke-Jedi is $350, which is in the range of what the last two sold for on eBay. Do not let the present market deter you if you are genuinely interested in pursuing collecting as a hobby. The key is to be patient and deliberate with your purchases. Most of the items from the Kenner line are much more common than you'd think. Looking for a rare blue snaggletooth According to Steve Sansweet's article from Star Wars Galaxy magazine, Kenner produced 50,000 blue snaggletooth figures for the Sears-exclusive cantina set. And while it has become a challenge to find one in pristine condition, if you're looking for a lesser-quality one, they tend to turn up at toy shows and on eBay and in the Facebook groups all the time, usually at more palatable prices. The best thing you can do is to equip yourself with knowledge of the items you're targeting, and of their current price ranges. Familiarizing yourself with the figures and prices will help you to make better decisions on how you spend your money and what you bring into your home. Collecting on a limited budget actually helps a collection. Because as a collector, you have to be much more selective with finite resources. Are you going to go for rarer items, but maybe in a lower condition? Or are you going to go for more common items and aim for the best condition available? Will you collect a full set of figures? Or will you only buy the rarer ones, spending more and building quality over quantity? These are decisions only you can make, because they depend on how you view curating a collection. There's no need to compare your collection with that of anyone else. The true measure of success is personal. It comes down to the goals that you set for yourself, and for your collection, and how you reach them. How do I begin a loose figure run? This is a very good question, and a pretty important one as well. Most Star Wars action figure collectors begin by focusing on the loose figures. And with so many to hunt and so many variants to collect, this part of the hobby can be one of the most exciting and rewarding experiences. In one of the collecting groups, a newer collector mentioned that this was his intent, to acquire a full run of the figures Kenner produced between 1977 and 1985. I thought his post was a very smart one. In it, he wasn't looking to buy any figures. Instead, he was hoping that the community would point him in the direction of resources that would help him in his hunt. Ones that might equip him with a fuller understanding of what was ahead of him with this self-selected challenge. So let's begin with a few resources. Whether you're new to collecting, or you've been focusing on Star Wars figures for a while, these books, sites, and guides should be helpful companions in your collecting journey. Number 1. Mark Belomo's book, The Ultimate Guide to Vintage Star Wars Action Figures, 1977-1985, is a great place to start. Published in 2014, the book is a visual resource of the figures, vehicles, and playsets produced during Kenner's run. While the values listed within its pages are far outdated now, the images are incredibly helpful. Mark breaks each vehicle and playset down to show which parts are included, and for that alone, it is an essential guide. Using the book, a collector will be able to pair accessories to the proper figures, and the information Mark included about each one makes for an interesting read. If you're collecting the loose figures and are considering adding the vehicles and playsets into the mix, The Ultimate Guide to Star Wars Action Figures 1977-1985 is a solid visual checklist of the figures and parts that make up the Kenner toy line. Number 2. The Star Wars Tracker App In 2014, collector Jared Cope began to work on an app that would help other collectors keep track of the changing prices of loose vintage figures and Power of the Force coins. His project expanded into carded figures, as well as playsets and vehicles, and became the app many collectors use today, called the Star Wars Tracker. Available on computers as well as on mobile devices, the app allows a user to create a series of portfolios, cataloging the items in their collection. It also serves as an updated price guide, which can be very helpful at a toy show or a convention. As a user, you are able to customize the details, making the data as minimal or as detailed as needed. And when it comes to valuations, you can choose the marketplaces you want to be represented with information coming from places like eBay, specific Facebook Star Wars groups, and larger auctions like Hakes and Vectus, The Star Wars Tracker app is a great way to catalog your purchases and the items you own, as well as to offer prices for items you're presently hunting, giving you sales data and the performance of certain figures and collectibles over the years. Number three the Star Wars Collector's Archive website. The overall structure is minimalistic, like leftover pages from a bygone internet era. And some of the pages still look like they did when the site premiered in 1994. But don't let that simplified layout deceive you. Created by Gus Lopez and with collecting visionaries like Duncan Jenkins, Chris Jorgulius, Ron Salvatore, Tommy Garvey, and Mike Mensinger, The SWCA is an incredible database of collectibles relating to the original trilogy, including the Kenner figures. The most fascinating section is about the world of vintage prototypes, where each entry has photos of pieces you're unlikely to see anywhere else, taken by the collectors who own them. And the accompanying descriptions, written by Gus, Ron, and some of the most adept writers in the hobby, are truly enjoyable reads. You can find the archive at the SWCA.com. And finally, there's the Star Wars Collector's Archive blog. Located within the SWCA site, it also serves as a way to delve deeper into topics around collecting and the action figures. Was Bosk really based on a repurposed blue snaggletooth sculpt? What does a run of the first 21 figures look like in the hands of a master vintage collector like Tim Eckold? And how does a collector make museum-style signs for a collection? If you haven't checked out the archive or its blog, I would recommend doing so. When I began collecting almost a decade ago, I would spend the final hour of my evening visiting a handful of entries, digesting as much information as I could, and it is one of my favorite memories from those early collecting years. The archive covers a vast terrain waiting to be explored. Okay, so you're equipped with a few solid resources to kickstart your plunge into the realm of loose vintage figures. From here, I think the question becomes, how do I collect? And my answer, unchanging throughout the years, is intelligently and with patience. If your aim is to acquire a full set of the more than 100 action figures Kenner produced between 1977 and 1985, use that large list to your advantage. You're under no pressure to complete this run in a specific amount of time. In fact, the longer it takes to finish the set, the more enjoyable it will be. And if you're not under pressure and you're not collecting the figures in a specific order, you're free to pick up ones as they appear and for the best values. Sure, you can begin with a Boba Fett, but many are now selling for a $100 or more, depending on condition. However, If you hunt on eBay long enough, or if you're able to attend some toy shows over the course of the year, you'll likely find one for less than half that price. That's why it's imperative to familiarize yourself with up-to-date prices of the figures. At a show, you may come across some Return of the Jedi characters, for prices similar to ones on eBay. And you may also see some of the ones from the later segment of the line, like The Power of the Force. And while the prices on almost all of them are at a premium, one may have been priced by a dealer for well under what it currently sells for online. That's when your collecting radar should sound, and that underpriced power the force figure becomes your win for the weekend and the one you bring home. Buying pieces at value prices puts less stress on the hobby that is meant to bring you peace and enjoyment. As you get further into collecting, you can always upgrade your figures, choosing better quality examples. But all of that is up to your individual tastes and interests. The best thing to do now is to figure out the essence of your collection in advance. Envision how you want your future purchases to look in your display cases. And hold yourself to the standard you set. If you want the best possible examples of each figure, don't settle for ones in lesser conditions just to fill spaces on a shelf. It's very easy to spend a lot of money and to race to complete a set of figures. But it seems to wipe out a lot of the enjoyment that comes from slowly and methodically building a collection. As collectors, we often define ourselves by the two peaks we experience. Those two dopamine bursts that come from finding something and then buying it and making it ours. And if we don't do anything in between those collective bursts, we're missing out on a larger and vital part of collecting. So get to know your fellow collectors. Become a part of your local collecting community. And if you don't have a local community, start up a collecting club or join a few of the online groups. Attend toy shows and conventions. Read and learn and educate yourself as much as possible. Feed that passion for collecting with knowledge and connections. As a result, the act of acquiring pieces becomes a bonus in what can be a very rich and rewarding hobby. The community is such a special part, one that many hobbies simply lack. And we're fortunate to have a network of creative and driven people. Driven to discover more about the history. Driven to make connections with others. And driven to keep collecting and the experiences around it exciting and memorable. So that's a few pieces of advice on how to begin a loose run. The next question is one I've received from more experienced collectors. But it's something everyone should consider. Because at some point we'll all need to find an answer to it so what should i collect now I've received this question from a vast number of collectors recently. They've finished their loose runs, or they've accumulated everything for one area within a vast and complex body of memorabilia. They've been walking down a path for a while, and now they've come to a wall. They want to continue following that path, but they don't know what to do or where to go next. So they're looking for a little guidance, and they want their next mission. They want to continue that high that came from lining up the pieces until the puzzle was completed, and they're looking to me to plant new seeds as they sit through the trailers on the silver screen waiting for the feature. I don't have the answer. I'm not seated where they're seated. I know of the high that they speak of, but don't know which drug they might need yet. But that's not how collecting works. Or more importantly, it's not a healthy approach to collecting. You should collect whatever appeals to you. Loose, carded, vintage, modern, 2D proof cards, 3D sculpts, prototypes and production, any of it and all of it. But the key phrase is whatever appeals to you. Through friends and resources, we may be exposed to new areas of the hobby. We may develop an interest in another area of Star Wars memorabilia over time but the decision to pursue that area has to come from within us. Collecting just to collect something during a downtime is essentially taking an interest or a passion and manufacturing it to become a compulsion. In other words, doing something just to do it. It's continuing the act without having the heart or the drive behind it. As I mentioned earlier, we have to look beyond those bursts of finding something and buying it. Just because we're collectors, acquiring things is not what defines us. Someone who loves to dance doesn't dance all of the time. Just when the time is right or when they're moved by something to step into that rhythm. When they want to or feel the need to. A friend who finished his loose run asked me recently what he should collect next. It's not a bad or stupid question. It's actually a really good one. And my answer to him was nothing. I told him to take the money he would otherwise spend pursuing a half hearted interest and to start building up a war chest instead. To put the money on the sidelines until something caught his attention that he had to have. Until the engine behind that passion started to rev up again. We all know that feeling, and it's an exciting one. But it can't be manufactured. You can collect something to pass the time. But if that area of items is expensive, and let's face it, most Star Wars collectibles are costly now, in both time and money, it becomes a burden that will eventually lose its glow. I started to collect Star Wars in 2011. And by 2017, the prices were really rising. The figures were expensive, and the costs were beginning to add up. In addition to the stress of spending on a hobby... I was feeling a collector's fatigue. Fortunately, I started to purchase less and spent more of my time exploring the community aspect of the Star Wars world. I attended my first Star Wars Celebration Convention in Orlando, and I also joined the Empire State Star Wars Collectors Club. Those events became more rewarding to me than acquiring carded vintage figures, and gave me the break I needed. At the same time, I developed an appreciation for many of the modern Star Wars stories, like the Clone Wars and Rebels series. I had watched the shows in the downtime between the theatrical releases of The Force Awakens and Rogue One, and they quickly became some of my favorite Star Wars stories. I felt connected to many of the characters, like Anakin, Ahsoka, and Rex, and decided to pick up a few prototypes. As collectors, we look for tangible souvenirs from intangible experiences, like plastic and resin figures from an animated series. The modern prototypes were pretty cheap, as very few people were interested in them at the time. Collecting modern prototypes wasn't an avenue down which I planned to travel. It happened organically. I really just expected to pick up a few pieces, so I would have a few examples in my collection. But once I started to buy a few, I found collecting to be really enjoyable again. Modern prototypes was an area about which I knew very little at the time. But suddenly I longed to learn more. I devoured as much information as I could find online and in books. I scoured web pages for any photos and information. And I connected with collectors like my dear friend Anthony Pagano, who became a mentor to me. I am just as passionate about collecting modern Star Wars prototypes as I am about collecting vintage carded figures. The break I took was what I needed, and over time I started collecting the Kenner figures again. Not because I felt I had to or to fill time, but because I wanted to return to it. All of this is to say, it's okay to take breaks in collecting. The act of collecting is not what defines us. It's how we're wired to respond when we're emotionally moved by a story or a film or an experience. It's the point at which the hunter in us combines with the historian, where the curator meets the storyteller. Collect what you love. Take breaks from collecting to better appreciate what you own. Figure out ways to share your collecting story with others, whether it's through producing something to connect with other collectors or through in-person meetups and events. And if something else propels you, then head in that direction. But until that occurs, continue to build upon what you have and keep money on the sidelines to prepare for whatever comes next. I've been collecting the Kenner figures for a while, but I'd like to collect prototypes from that era. How do I become a prototype collector? Collecting vintage Kenner prototypes can be challenging and expensive, but if it's something that interests you, it can be a really exciting and rewarding area of our hobby. First, what is a prototype? The term prototype has become a general description for any items created during the process of bringing a toy or a collectible to retail. To most collectors, this would include two-dimensional pieces like conceptual sketches, figure layout drawings and blueprints, proof sheets called chromalins, and proofs of the toy packaging. And some of the three-dimensional pre-production pieces would be the initial clay or wax sculpts, resin figural hard copies the first plastic examples of the figures, known as first shots, and production samples. While some collectors bristle at the use of the word prototype to describe any and all of these pieces, in reality these items are pre-production items that represent each iteration of the process leading up to the final approval of the figure, item, or packaging. It's the pre-phases before production. Prototypes do not appeal to everyone. Many appreciate their contributions to delivering familiar figures, playsets, and vehicles we grew up with in the 1970s and 1980s. But the final product is often what collectors gravitate toward when it comes to hunting pieces from their childhoods. For others, prototypes are incredibly exciting. They are often one of a kind or one of a surviving handful. They serve as reminders of the past, tangible mile markers along a toy's progress. A prototype is a part of the history of that era, the momentum and love that Star Wars evoked across the world, the imagination and craft of the designers who worked on it, and the story of the company that produced it. It's also a way to see the Star Wars toys we love, but in a different way. A first shot IG-88 in strange colors. The detail in the ATST saint driver's sculpt. The box for a Scout Walker vehicle, but with the unproduced Revenge of the Jedi logo in place of the familiar Return of the Jedi one. You can't really collect vintage prototypes casually. Hunting pieces for a specific character or ones around a certain film take a considerable amount of time and money. The cost for many of these pre-production pieces start in the thousands of dollars and the ones at the earliest stages of the production process often command prices in the tens of thousands, if not fully into the six-figure range. The Kenner prototypes from the action figure lines spanning the original trilogy tend to be the most desirable and the most expensive, but some of the items from adjacent lines are relatively cheaper and more easily obtainable. In the last Hake's auction, a hand-painted Kez Iben copy from the 1985's Droid series sold for $1,600. And if you're interested in Kenner's 1-inch scale micro-collection line, some of the produced die-cast figures can be purchased for a few hundred dollars each. Venturing into the world of proof cards, the Revenge of the Jedi proofs are the most common, and often the cheapest. While their collective values have risen recently, you may be able to add one to your collection for under $1,000. And some are in the $1,000 to $2,000 range, making them special but affordable additions. And for those looking to acquire original art from that era, there are cheaper alternatives as well. Photo art from the cardbacks to Kenner's 93 figures and the ones from the droids and Ewoks lines are very expensive and are difficult to obtain. But drawings from the storybooks, coloring books, and activity books from that era often sell for a fraction of what it would cost for the cardback art. And over the past few years, we've seen paintings for sale, ones that adorn the Return of the Jedi children's furniture from the 1980s. And the art for things like the Bradley Star Wars Watch Collection have been cheaper but still meaningful ways of capturing an original hand-designed Star Wars piece from the decade that kicked off the fandom. So if any of this appeals to the collector nature within you, if it sparks an interest that may have been budding, where would you, as a vintage prototype collector, begin? The best advice I can give you is to educate yourself and to connect with other collectors first. Most of the sales of prototypes, especially the really good ones, happen through a network of trusted collectors. Becoming part of that network affords you the opportunity to get to know others who share your passion. And over time, and through a relationship built upon trust, those friends will also likely help you find the pieces you seek, as well as steer you away from fakes or bad purchases. The true blessing of being part of a community is the deep and lasting friendships and pieces we obtain as prototype collectors are often an added bonus of a rich and meaningful community. For the kinds of prices prototypes command, you really want to do your homework before buying anything. Here are a few resources to get you started. One of the best visual guides to collecting prototypes is a book by fellow collectors Gus Lopez and Duncan Jenkins. Titled Gus and Duncan's Guide to Star Wars Prototypes, the book offers a look at the types of pieces that survived from Kenner's heyday, ones that landed in collectors' homes across the globe. In addition to a photo-filled compendium highlighting some of the rarest and most important pieces, the book uses these examples to help collectors understand each part of the pre-production process. For more than a decade, Gus and Duncan's Guide to Star Wars Prototypes has been the premier book on collecting pre-production pieces. It can be purchased online, signed by the authors, at completestpublications.com. If you're interested in learning about proof cards and chromalins, our friend Matthias Rendall wrote two books on the subject, A New Proof and The Chromalin Strikes Back. A new proof provides an in-depth look at the Kenner Star Wars packaging design from 1977 to 1979. And the Chromalin Strikes Back covers the Era of Empire from 1980 to 1982. Both are beautifully designed by Matthias and are true assets for anyone interested in collecting packaging prototypes. You can order Matthias's books at dearpublications.se. That's D E A R publications.se Once again, I'd like to recommend the Star Wars Collectors Archive, which is the definitive source for vintage prototypes. Many of the prototype entries on the website were created by the collectors who helped unearth these incredible artifacts. And beyond sharing information and photos, these explorers shaped our understanding of the production process of Star Wars toys. And finally, there's the Star Wars Collector's Archive podcast, known as The Kivecast. It's a monthly audio magazine that is now in its 12th year, hosted by Sky Payne and Stephen Danley. It was the first Star Wars Collector podcast that delved into collecting prototypes, and has been a valuable resource in learning about the items and the history of the Kenner Collectibles. Each episode highlights one of the original 93 figures and contains interviews with focus collectors about that particular figure. The Kivecast has not only shined a spotlight on the events and meetups associated with collecting, but it has introduced us to many of our fellow collectors, often before we ever meet in person. And those are just some of the resources created by those in our community many of whom blaze the trail for the rest of us to travel. There's no quick route to becoming a vintage prototype collector. Like any other hobby or interest, it takes time. Time to understand the various stages in the design of a toy. Time to get to know your fellow collectors and to have them get to know you. Time to learn how to authenticate pieces and what are the tells of the fakes that have turned up over the decades. Time to learn about prototypes and the world of Star Wars pre-production. I had one final piece of advice to give to you, I would say ignore the noise. Ignore the skyrocketing prices, the hype of record-breaking auctions, the fervor to grab whatever becomes available on eBay and on the collecting groups, and the envy at the latest hauls by other collectors. The noise. And simply focus on the goals you've set for yourself with your collection and on connecting with those around you. The hobby is meant to be enjoyed. It's an escape from the stresses and uncertainties of life, and something into which we can pour our passion. It's a Zen garden in the midst of a constantly shifting world. There will always be someone with a bigger score, someone with more money who can easily buy a piece you've wanted for a while, and that's okay. The collecting realm is not perfect. As long as there is a profit to be made in vintage Star Wars collectibles, elements like ego, greed, and deceit will always find their way into the room. But it doesn't have to be like that for you. Seeking out the joyful and passionate people in the community is one of the best things you can do. I've found that when I shift my focus from acquiring things to acquiring meaningful friendships, the figures and prototypes do eventually come my way but they become a bonus to something greater. Collecting Star Wars pieces can result in a series of great life lessons. After all, it constantly asks, what type of person do you want to be? And it gives you choices with each step. Do you want to be part of something bigger, or are you happy to collect on your own? Is collecting a main aspect of your life as it is sewn into your DNA Or is it something on the outskirts of your personality, something you do casually? Are you collecting for the short term or for the long term? And then it tests your character. Are you someone others can trust? Do you have a heart for those around you? Do you look to help others or are you focused solely on what you can gain from the hobby? Are you comfortable with who you are? Do you appreciate the blessings you've been given? And are you happy? It's okay if some of those questions made you uncomfortable. Some make me uncomfortable too. We're all imperfect. We're all still learning. And we're all trying to navigate our way through life. But exploring these questions and the ones I covered earlier is a good start. And whether you're taking your first steps into collecting or you've been in the hobby for a while... These questions are healthy ones. Hopefully they address some of the questions you have, or at the least, give you insight into what some of your peers are experiencing. Let's help one another and make the hobby something special. Thank you for listening to another episode of Star Wars, Prototypes and Production. The past month was a busy one. Between covering the Hakes auction over 10 episodes and getting back to toy shows again, beginning with the Zolocon show, I've had very little time to slow down and to think. And that's why I created this episode. I wanted to step away from the momentum around collecting to explore relevant questions that many of you seem to have. I wanted to look at collecting from a perspective that not only addressed the how, but also the why. I think collectors are also facing another era of self-reflection. The last one came at the start of the quarantine. With everyone home for an extended period of time, each of us had the opportunity to watch or re-watch some of the Star Wars films and series. With time to think again, we stood in front of our collections and figured out which pieces we wanted to add and which ones we could part with to make that happen. That filtering and purging helped in some ways to make us better collectors. Our collections benefited from us having the time to think and to reassess. And then, the hobby caught fire, and many of us found ourselves lost in the forward-propelling momentum again. And now a new era is upon us. I've spoken to more friends and collectors who are taking inventory of their collections and of their lives and are parting with many pieces to reduce their collections to something meaningful again. And they're reprioritizing their time, their money, their interests, and their mental health. So collect what you love. Collect because you love it. And never stop learning. Connect with those around you and make these moments special. Because life is truly a gift and we are all blessed to be living in the era of Star Wars and as Star Wars collectors. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a minute to do three quick things for me. Subscribe to the podcast. It's free to do so and this way you'll be notified the next time I publish an episode. And please leave a review. This helps to get prototypes and production out to more Star Wars fans. Leaving a review on Apple Podcasts would help me the most, but feel free to rate and review on your preferred podcast platform. And finally, and most importantly, please share it with a friend. I know you know someone right now who could use a little positivity in their life and a little piece of the Star Wars universe. By doing these three things, you have the power to grow the podcast and connect the community. We have an exciting month ahead of us, so I have to go prepare for it. I'll see you next time on Star Wars Prototypes and production.